the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. In addition to taking care of one another inside the church, what if we developed a lifestyle of taking care of the most needy outside the walls of the church? How would that change the community and our city? Bob Moffat, president and founder of Harvest Foundation in Phoenix, along with Pastor Julian Gibb, talk with pastors and leaders about how sacrificial love by those in the church to those in need outside the church has helped people see and embrace Jesus Christ. It's that demonstration of Jesus' greatest commandment that we'll hear more about today on The Kingdom and Its Stories. Welcome so much to The Kingdom and Its Stories. It's great to have you listening in or watching um, uh, on our video stream. So it's uh, it's just really good to be back. Uh, and uh, my guest, my special guest, is a very special friend, Meg Crossman. And Meg, I, I don't know how many years we've known each other, but it's been a while. Oh, my gosh, yes. <laughs> it's longer than both of us want to, want no. to acknowledge. <laughs> I don't mind acknowledging it. Getting old is normal. It isn't bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for that reminder. But Meg um, is really an important person in my life and also in the lives of Phoenix Christian leaders. Meg, probably more than any other person I know, has been responsible for advancing the cause of global missions in the Phoenix community and also in North America. And um, and so uh, she's making faces at me like, uh-huh. uh, don't say that, but it's but it's really true, Meg. And uh, and so you are a heroine in in my life and and you've been an inspiration to me. Tell me, uh, tell us, tell our, our listening audience what what in summary what has god led you to do in these years of your life well uh in summary just i look for opportunities to serve him uh i came to christ at 28 years old when i read catherine marshall's book beyond ourselves and uh she told how she had turned her whole life over to god And I closed the book I was reading and said, gosh, take me, Lord, I'm yours. I didn't know you wanted me. And for the first time, I began to see answered prayer on the right hand and on the left. We were uh, still in the Navy. My husband was in the Navy, and we were stationed in San Diego. And uh, immediately, I in Navy housing, I had a gal on my left and a gal on my right who are both believers, and they really helped me. And the Lord put me in a darling little conservative Baptist church in Chula Vista, where uh, they had a class called the School of the Prophets. 
and I got to sit in there, and I'd bring my big Jerusalem Bible and read something from that, and they were so sweet, and they'd say, well, thank you, Meg. Now, the, part of that's from the Apocrypha, and I had no idea what that meant, and they said, some of that is of God, and some of it is just of people. And I said, oh. <laughs> but the the way things started uh, working together was when we moved back to Phoenix, my husband got out of the Navy, and uh, I began teaching guitar. I had learned to play guitar in Japan, and then when we moved to Phoenix, I started teaching it again. And the Lord spoke to me and said, I want you to change your lessons from folk songs to Christian songs. And I said, well, Lord, that is really a bad idea. Nobody will want to do that. And probably <laughs> this is the devil trying to get me off course or something. But I said, all right, I'll do it. And I immediately tripled my number of students. So we had a lot of fun. I had small groups of five to eight people. And after one semester of doing it, some of us said, I wonder if we could use this for ministry. And we thought, well, maybe we could go to some old folks' home and that would work. Well, instead, the doors opened for us to go into the county hospital. You know where county is, Bill and yeah. uh, Bob. Yeah. And uh, we started going in there, th three of us, and we'd stand outside the doors of people's rooms and sing whatever the Lord gave us to sing, you know. Trust Me Not and Oh Gentle Savior and things like that. And uh, one day we got a new chaplain, and he he said no, no singing in the halls except for holidays. So we had to find something else to do, and the doors opened up for us to go into the prison. We had gone one time down to Florence to the the uh, women's prison down there, and. They were totally interested in having us come. So the two, two of us then began going to the prison. And, oh, my gosh, that was so much fun. <laughs> wow. We, wow. We yeah. would go in and early. And then fast forward. Okay, fast forward, Meg. Okay, you, you, you ended up, you know, writing or developing – uh, or curating, however you want to say it, a curriculum that has been used by thousands oh, of, uh, of lay people who are interested in missions. Well, How did we, that happen? Well, I did 10 years of prison ministry, and then the Lord told me I was to lay that down permanently and forever. And I said, you're kidding, after all this investment. But I said, okay. And within four months, uh, I started understanding God's heart for the world. And in doing that, we offered a class that is offered many, many places called Perspectives and had many people. I think we had 88 people the first time. And we had different speakers, speakers like you, Bob, like Daryl Miller and uh Dr. Ralph Winter, we had many excellent speakers. 
But the curriculum was so tough. And we began to say to each other, couldn't we do the same thing but with a simplified curriculum? So the Lord opened the doors for that. And we put together what is now called Pathways. We've done it for 35 years. We have a 12-week curriculum, and we have a five-week curriculum, and lots of lots of churches and individuals and Sunday school classes are using it. Was that fast-forward so, enough? <laughs> in, in summary, yeah, yeah, yeah. In summary, if you had to put it in one or two sentences, what does Pathways attempt to accomplish? We want to help people understand God's heart for the world and a role that they can play in it, a unique role for every person. So what what would be some examples of the role that people took from the course and that you've seen develop out of, as a consequence of taking the course? Just a couple of examples. Okay, well, let me give you the five roles. Goers, those would be people who go cross-culturally in some way. Um, Okay, yes. uh, Senders, those would be people who uh, help them, help the goers with not just finances, but with all kinds of other support. Then there would be welcomers, and that's a word that we coined to talk about reaching people here that come here from another culture. So that would be reaching out to refugees and immigrants. And then we have intercessors. And intercessors are, you understand exactly what that means because prayer is so significant. And then, last of all, mobilizers. And that's what I do. And actually, that's what you do too, Bob. We help people understand all these roles and how they can become a part of it. Have we seen people? Oh, my gosh, yes. We've been running this class in a lot of different places for 35 years. How many people do you th- How many people do you think have gone through the classes, Meg? I know you don't know exactly, but... I don't know exactly, and I never try to figure it out, Bob. I just want the Lord to be glorified through it. So if it's a small class, I remember one class up in Flagstaff that had about eight people, and normally we would close down a class that small because it it couldn't pay for itself. And instead, the the coordinator said, oh, Meg, these are really significant people. We need to keep this going. And we did. And it was just fantastic, all the things that came out of it. So we have certainly had people that have gone cross-culturally. I think of our dear friend, our mutual friend, Walt Edmund, and what the Lord is using him to do now. He not only went cross-culturally— into Indonesia, but then he came back and uh, worked out of Singapore and out of um, uh, Brazil. I can't remember the city exactly. Training Brazilians and Singaporeans and also people from India and from countries that it would be, they it's too security uh, touchy to mention their countries. But Risky. Yeah, risky, exactly. So he's yeah. Got all kinds now, of people now like Walt that. is con- now Walt is continuing what he's doing by Zoom. 
which yes. is what a lot of us are doing. Yes, exactly. Now that we are not able to travel. Exactly. Yeah, so just for now. But I would, I would, I would imagine make more than more than ten thousand people. I would just imagine, you know, uh, that, and I know you don't track it, but it's just amazing the number of people who've been influenced for being Jesus' hands and feet in the world, you know, through your through the course that you led. Well, and I, I just uh, really it was thank God. Really fun to see. I can remember one gal from our church, and she and her husband took the class. And she came up to me at the end of the class, and she said, Oh, Meg, now I understand we're called to be senders. And that just thrilled me, Bob. Uh, I don't I don't want everybody mm. to become mm. a missionary and go cross-culturally. I want everybody to find the place that their gifts and their abilities and the things that God has invested in them can be used for the kingdom. So that was that was just right. wonderful to me as somebody saying, I'm going to go to an unreached people group. Right, Meg, I, I know that our objective is to see God glorified and, um, and, and to see people come in to the kingdom of God mm-hmm. and become a part of his kingdom. Yeah. Um, with all of your background in missions, what would you say is the principal methodology? How how do how are people attracted to and drawn into the kingdom? And before you answer that question, I need to say to our listeners, you're listening to Tales of the Kingdom, and we're so delighted to have you with us. And my guest today is Meg Crossman, and uh, and we're interviewing her as one of the premier leaders in missions in the in uh, especially in Phoenix, Arizona, but really all over the world. And I know I know you don't like to hear me say that, but but it's true, Meg. Um, but anyway, what what are what would you say are the principal methodologies? that God uses in us to draw people into toward him and his kingdom. Bob, you and I are mobilizers. And one time uh, I was going over to California to meet with some mobilizers who were really discouraged because they just felt like they weren't getting anywhere. And the Lord showed me this picture of three kinds of how people try to mobilize. The first one was they was loading, the first mobilizer was loading people up on a sled, and then he had the rope, and he had it over his shoulder, and he was trying to pull it <laughs> forward and so forth. But the people were just standing there. They weren't, nothing was happening. Then the other mobilizer was trying to push people he was pushing and pushing and pushing, and they were only getting mad. <laughs> <laughs> but the really effective mobilizer was just standing in the midst and jumping up and down with joy. It's such mm-hmm. joy to serve the Lord. And at, it was like a picture of how 
the molecules work in a microwave oven. As some of them start moving, then others start moving, and then they all start moving. And just ha- when the joy is there, it's so wonderful to see how people are drawn to our joy. I think that's what I've learned Amen. more than anything. Wow. Yeah, and, and that's, um, uh, I, I think, something that I've really discovered in my own life. It's, it's, it, it's what was, I think, attractive about Jesus. Oh, I do, too. As, as people looked at him, they were attracted to him, not because he was pouting or not because he was being exhausted by pulling the rope with the people on the sled, <laughs> He just had the joy of yeah. his father. Yeah. And people wanted to know him and wanted to follow him. Wanted to be so. around him. I love that verse in Acts 4.13, that it wasn't only Jesus that had that, but when the uh, apostles were taken before the, the uh, Sanhedrin and questioned and so forth, they perceived that they had been with Jesus. So something of that rubs off as we are with him, with other people who love him. It's just natural for it to rub off on everybody around us. Yeah, I think, and I I think that that was what Jesus was talking about um, in the Olivet Discourse. He said, abide in me so that your joy may be full. And when we have that joy, we become people that are of interest uh-huh. and people want to find out what it is that brings that joy. Absolutely. I, Meg, I know that, I know that you um, have really sacrificially lived. I'd like to know just an example or two of how you and your family, you and or you and your family, have reached out, just some stories of, of how you have reached out and God has used you as his hands and feet. I know there are hundreds of stories, but just pick a couple. Well, one really sweet one was uh, one of the girls that I worked with in the prison. Her name was Nancy, uh, and uh, we had a very close relationship, and she was pretty close to getting out, and I said, why don't you come and live with us after you get out? hoping Mm, to keep her, you know, uh, on the straight and narrow and so forth. And uh, she had come to the Lord in prison, and and she was doing well. And uh, a man came to the door, and he was from the parole board, and he was really grumpy and, uh, you know, (laughs) I'm sure who is this crazy? Who is this crazy person that wants an inmate to live with him? And he just, and I said, oh, hi, come on in. And can I give you uh, a glass of water, a cup of iced tea? And he stopped, took off his glasses, and he said, are you related to Susan Els? And I said, yeah, she's my sister. And he said, oh, my gosh, I grew up with her husband. And all of a sudden, he just wrote it up. This will be great. will be great for Nancy to... So she lived with us for five, six months. We just loved her dearly. Very precious gal. And uh, it was totally the Lord that opened that door. I said, Nancy, we're not waiting for 
uh, the prison to approve us. We're just, we just want to have the Lord approve us. As long as the Lord approves us, everything else will fit. And Amen. then another thing that was really fun was I had the opportunity in 1987 to go and teach in China. And uh, I talked to my husband about it. I would be gone for the whole summer. He was okay with it. And a lot of the men at church said, you're letting your wife do what? And he said, well, hey, (laughs) what about all the time I was gone in the Navy when she stayed home? It's my turn. Right. Good for him. I got to teach for the summer. Uh, It was the summer before, two years before Tiananmen Square. We had the opportunity to meet with uh, underground believers. Oh, so precious, so dear and precious, Bob. You know what I'm talking about. So, Amen. And it was just such a privilege to get to do that. I'd always wanted to teach in China, and the Lord answered the desire of my heart. It was just marvelous, challenging, but marvelous. Yeah. The examples you've given are examples that are costly. Well, opening your home. Well, I, I, from the world's perspective, it's costly. It's opening your home. It's being willing to say, we would love to sacrifice mm-hmm. our privacy, our home, so that we can get to know you. And you're not saying it, but what you mean is so that you can get to know the person who encourages us to open our home. Yeah. And then going to China for how long was that, Meg? The whole summer. And that wasn't just, I mean, you didn't see, see it as a sacrifice. Oh, no. It was a but joy. I think the, yes, but the world would see it as sacrificing your summer. And some, you know, married couples would say, What? as they did to your husband what are you doing why would you why would you uh, allow your wife to go uh, but he did mm-hmm. and i i love the fact that he said well what do you think she did when i was in the navy <laughs> that was a wonderful response but you know i think it's not only the small things where the Lord can use us to be his hands and feet, but it's the big things as well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I was listening to a, a broadcast this morning where I was reminded that uh, C.S. Lewis was talking about the fact that, you know, in our current culture at his time, People were talking about, well, I own my body. I can do anything I want to with it. And his response was, no. We were given our bodies. Mm-hmm. We don't own them. Mm-hmm. We're trustees of them. Yeah. And the same thing is true with our lives, our home, the resources that God has given us. Oh, we yes. don't own those. That's right. They belong to him. Mm-hmm. And he wants us to use those for investing yes. in 
joyfully attracting others to the beauty that he is yes. and the wonderful um, characteristics of his kingdom. Yes, scripture Mick, says, thank you so much. Bob, you are not your own. You were bought with a price. Amen. Amen. And for those of you who are listening, I want to encourage you to think today about how God is calling you to be a part of his kingdom. Thank you for joining us today in Stories of the Kingdom. May God bless you. Jesus defines discipleship as come and follow me. Next Monday at 5.30 p.m. on Faith Talk 1360, we'll hear another testimonial from a leader demonstrating how they and the people of the church are sacrificially loving the needy and beginning to see real change in their communities. If you have a personal example of how you are being the hands and feet of Jesus with your neighbors, we'd love to hear from you. Enter your story at harvestfoundation.org. That's harvestfoundation.org on the Contact Us tab. You can also subscribe to the podcast on The Kingdom and Its Stories on Apple Podcasts and Spotify.